everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the NYY Takes Podcast, episode 83. And as always, I have a question to ask Yankees fans. Are we happy today? Absolutely not. Great. Nothing has changed. Would you well, like I to mean, elaborate? Well, I mean, if we're talking about the New York Yankees, one of my best friends got married over the weekend, so shout out to him. I had a great time. Maybe it was good that I didn't really get to catch the series because it seems like everyone thinks that we got swept even though it was a two out of three one. But I think we're here to talk about the number 28, which is a very sensitive number in Yankees world these days. And I'm not happy that we have to discuss it. What are we discussing about the number 28 exactly? Do we just want to get into it without asking every, everyone else how they feel? Sure. I think, I mean, I think we know everyone's answer for the most part. So we can dive right into the number 28 having direct relations to one Josh Donaldson. And thank you for the Yankees for giving us yet another circus to talk about. Uh, so this week, back on honestly June 20th, so kind of technically last week, uh, Cashman said the Yankees believe in Josh Donaldson and need to give him, quote, more runway to see if he can recapture his pre-2022 form. Following that, uh, he didn't do a single thing, with the big, biggest moment standing out being his pinch-hitting performance uh, against the Texas Rangers in the first game of that series on Friday night, where when he was called up to hit, I was at this game, when he was called up to hit, the entire stadium simultaneously groaned. It was something I'd actually never really heard before from a group of 40,000 people. Packed houses at Yankee Stadium every night this weekend for whatever reason. Uh, and then he struck out. It was a horrid at bat. And the loudest boos that I've heard at Yankee Stadium since Aaron Hicks. Fast forward to yesterday or two days ago. We get the drama with Aaron Boone and Josh Donaldson's meeting. So Donaldson basically didn't have time to meet with the media and said, sorry, guys, I don't have time for this. Then scampered off to Aaron Boone's office. And in that moment, everyone's kind of just speculating, being like, is Josh Donaldson being DFA'd right now? Is he being benched long-term? What's going on? Turns out that uh, after the game, they were just talking about life and just uh, shooting the shit, per se. Personal stories. And That's a very interesting word to use. They even, they even went as far as to say that Donaldson's going to play a lot. They know there's a lot in there, and they just want to get him going. That's the story. What is, there, what is there to make of this? He is in the lineup tonight, opening the series against the Oakland Athletics. It's very bizarre. I, I don't think that there's a ton to be made of them saying, or of Boone saying that he's going to play a lot. They said that about Aaron Hicks right up until the end as well. That's clearly, they're not going to trash on a player who's a current member of the roster. They're not going to do that. So it's always going to be, yes, he's going to play a lot until the moment that he's no longer on the team. Matt, are you saying that Bubba Crosby will be the starting center fielder? Yes. No, it's Jacoby Ellsbury. Or insert any player here that has struggled and kept on struggling until, you know, the decision's made, which at some point it will be. I mean, we, we saw how long the leash was with Hicks, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's not for a while with Donaldson, especially because there's not really a backup plan at third base. I mean, LeMahieu hasn't exactly been hitting the cover off the ball this year either, although he's been a little bit better of late. They've shown no interest whatsoever in putting Oswald Peraza at a new position. They claim to like him as a prospect, but there's been no rumblings, even as he's had a good season in AAA. So we've seen no indication that their, that their leash with Donaldson is going to be any shorter than the leash with Hicks was. 
So I'd expect to see him around for a while. This is one of the few situations where I genuinely have no read on what's going on. Like, I don't believe a single thing anyone says, but like, it's also very clear that the situation is kind of untenable. So, I mean, I kind of liken this to more like the Stephen Drew situation from way back when, when he was actually the most hated Yankee of all time for a while. And it took the team, I believe, until something like August 31st to finally cut him. So maybe we're going down the same path here. But, I mean, the thing with Donaldson, too, is that he's he's not helping himself either. Like, look at the guy he was traded with, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who we on this podcast multiple times have applauded him for his willingness to take accountability to be more self-aware that his performance objectively is not very good. And he has taken the steps and done anything really to get himself back in the good grace of, of, of the fan base. You could argue now that IKF is one of the more like Yankees on the team, complete 180 from last year. But Donaldson really will never, it's hard from, you know, everything he's about Garrett Cole and the sticky stuff to the whole Tim Anderson situation to like, now with this, it's like, who it's it, he he's like not really helping himself, and so he is just kind of naturally gonna be that guy, and but he also has a personality to not really deal with it. I think in a in a way that New Yorkers would accept him back. So I just think we're headed down a perpetual spiral heel. So in a really annoying way, I'm actually not totally out on the concept that Josh Donaldson has at least something left in his bat. I think there is potential upside for him to be a league average hitter, which is essentially what he was last season. He was slightly below league average. Uh, I'll say this. His contact quality is elite, without question. And this goes back to another Brian Hoke tweet. Uh, So Boone invited people to scratch the underlying numbers on Donaldson. Uh, And this was essentially the Hoke tweet. Uh, It's a small sample size, but he has seven barrels and 35 batted balls since he came back. That's a 20% barrel rate, which is best amongst four qualified hitters in MLB. Those four hitters are Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, Jake Berger, and Patrick Wisdom. His hard hit rate is 51.4%. Small sample size, anyone? (laughs) His His hard hit rate is 51% this month. Uh, which is 37th among all players with at least 50 plate appearances. Uh, And he's getting dinged by his four and a half degree launch angle. So he's making hard contact, hitting the ball on the ground. I will also add this. Uh, Yes, he does have a 28% 28 K rate. His walk rate's down from last season. Anyone want to take a guess on his batting average on balls in play? Just a guess. It's below below 100. I think it's like 050, 040, something like that. You are exactly right. It is 051. His weighted on-base average is 255. His expected weighted on-base average is 355, which would be elite, borderline elite. If we want to look at his Steamer projections, Steamer has him as an above-league average hitter for the rest of the season. You combine that with the fact that he plays an elite third base— And while I love to question the Yankees and be like, what the heck are you guys doing with Donaldson saying that he can still play? I don't blame them for thinking that. Because if Fangrass is spitting this in our face, telling us that he's due to actually be 
kind of okay, then I'm sure what they're looking at is saying the same thing, if not giving them a better picture of what's going to happen. So I'll stick my head out there and say that I actually do think Donaldson has something left in the tank. I I'm, I don't see it because last year he, as you said, had a good quality of contact, but he's having the same issues with whiffs so far this year as last year. And that to me is, is an indication of a guy who's lost, you know, he's, he's an aging player who's lost bat speed. So sure. He'll make some loud contact every now and again, but you're going to be seeing a lot of strikeouts and also crucially not very many walks. He's not a very choosy hitter anymore. So I agree in the sense that, Yes, if he is, if we're chalking this up to him, just this is his aging curve. This is what happens to aging players. They can't catch up anymore, and it's a lot of swing and miss, and it's ugly, fine. But I think the, you know, the the evidence actually for hard hit rate and barrel contact quality, all of it is better than last year significantly. So last year's barrel rate was nine, was just under 10%. This year, it's above 20%. Last year's hard hit rate was 43%. This year, it's almost 50%. Last year, his expected weighted on-base average was 302, which is, or 299, which is a product of contact quality for a large portion of it. And his weighted on-base average was 300. So everything last season was par for the course in terms of getting lucky, getting unlucky. I think we just might need I just think the Yankees might be right. I think you actually, you cannot give up on Josh Donaldson when his underlying metrics are objectively in borderline very good to like incredibly good territory. So I understand not wanting to pull the plug quite yet. But yes, I do think, like you said, Matt, there's definitely a chance that he's just washed and isn't able to catch up anymore. But then you look at something like Aaron Hicks and how well he's doing in Baltimore and and while I haven't looked at the Savant data on on Hicks compared to Donaldson, I'm kind of curious if it's um, kind of like a Sonny Gray type of a thing where Donaldson can't necessarily handle the media market and the fans and all that kind of thing. I mean, maybe. I I mean, I said earlier that those boos he was getting on Friday were – he hasn't played since then. I mean, because it was – I mean, partially because that was the most embarrassing at bat ever and probably because – if you remember last season when Hicks had that ball in left field that he put his head down on, Boone immediately pulled him from the game. Hicks didn't play for the rest of the series, but then played the first game on the road. And that's the same exact thing that we're seeing happen with Donaldson now. So maybe it's a New York thing. I don't think Donaldson enjoys playing for Yankee fans with the way that they've berated him and treated him. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily blame him. It's hard for me to see a, a path where that's the case if the underlying stuff is still really good. Because the underlying stuff for Hicks was always just blah. So there was never really anything there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hicks's numbers with the Orioles are hysterical. He has a 162 WRC plus since going over there. But he is in a bit of a slump now, I think. I think since in like the last week, maybe, he's like one for his last 17 or something. So... It's evening out a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Donaldson is incapable of playing in New York? Or I don't know. He strikes me as kind of like a hard ass that doesn't really, maybe doesn't really care much. 
I don't know if he's capable or incapable necessarily, but if you, for me, it's always with these players. If you reach this point of weirdness, that means the writing is just on the wall, right? Like that whole dynamic on Sunday morning slash afternoon was just so weird. It was like, not only was Donaldson rushing into the clubhouse for this impromptu, unexpected conversation that they're claiming is actually regular, line number one, like it's, and then Boone's 17 minutes late. It's like, okay, clearly something's going on. You got to address it. He really doesn't. It's personal stories. What does that even mean? Like that, that it's, it's like part of the pattern with like the whole Yankees, like kind of like what their message is in the media is. And we'll talk about this with Aaron judge too. It's like, it was, it's, it's the weirdness more than anything. I think that's just compounding the situation on the field, because if you just took what's on the field, then yeah, I completely agree with you calls. Like we should try to, stick to the underlying numbers for at least a little while, but I just feel like the relationship with the fans is kind of what's going to cost him the pull trick again for the second time this year. Yeah. Also, what are his whiff rates this year? I think they, they might even be slightly lower than they were I mean, last lower, season. But like he's also barely played. So I, I wouldn't um, take that much stock. I mean, you obviously can't take that much stock in any numbers, especially this early in the season. Uh, I mean, he has 71 plate appearances, but but I don't think you can just look at those and be like, yep, time to let him go for nothing and eat his contract. No. And like, like I said, silly. if I looked at just his numbers and like, yeah, obviously not. But like, if you look at like, this is Josh Donaldson at the New York Yankees, like you, what is going to turn this around besides, is it just simply he performs and we're good? Or do you think there's going to still be something there? No, if he performs, no one will care. And dare I say that the Yankees are actually, for once, the rational actors in this situation? I, I think the fans might be the, the irrational group here. Well, I mean, yeah, because the team is still, like... I mean, the fans are always irrational. Historically awful, like, when it comes to offense. So, yeah. it's like, uh, you need someone, I guess. So, it's him. And I think, yeah, it's an easy scapegoat. People are mad. They're going to direct it at the guy they don't like at all, and that's Donaldson, and he's, his results have been terrible. But I'm willing to give him a little bit more rope. Any other thoughts on number 28? Should we move on to another weird Yankees thing of the week? Which we've spoken about at, ad nauseum at, at this point. Yeah, it somehow it's, gets worse. Yeah, it somehow gets worse. It's the Aaron Judge situation. So for the first time in between when Les and I recorded last week to now, for the first time all season, we got definitiveness on Judge's injury. Aaron Judge, Aaron, key part here, Aaron Judge told reporters that he tore a ligament in his toe, which kind of goes along with our whole Aaron Judge is the one that's going to tell people what happened to him. It's not going to be anyone else. A torn ligament, technically, same thing as his brain. Effectively, he has turf toe. Nasty, nasty injury. But it gets worse because you're like, okay, he effectively has a torn ligament, turf toe, whatever it may be. What does this mean for him playing this season? Well, he was asked about an August return, and Judge's response was, I'm not giving you any timeline. There's no need. I've just got to get better, and then I'll be out there. And then Boone was asked about Aaron Judge returning this season, basically asked if he could guarantee it, and he said, effectively, I can't give you any guarantees. How have we gotten here? Like, how have we really gotten to the point where we're talking about even the 
slight chance that Aaron Judge could miss the entire year. This is just what the Yankees always do. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I'm at the point now where I just automatically expect that it's going to be like four times worse than they say it is at the beginning. Yeah. Because we've just been lied to too many times. So, yeah, obviously missing the entire rest of the season is worse than even I could have imagined. But Judge being out for multiple months is not in the slightest bit surprising to me. Not in the slightest. Yeah, I mean, it's also like toes. You never know with toes, obviously. So, pun intended. Um, you'll never, you, you don't exactly know, like, what's, what, what, what you're going to get with them. But even in this case, like, they don't seem like they're exactly on the same page, right? Like, I think... Boone is very much in the mindset of we got to push forward. We got to kind of, you know, we want him back, like, because he's a captain, but, like, we got, we're the team. And judges just, like, literally don't even look at me until I'm ready to tell you when I'm going to come back. And I don't know where that is, so actually don't look at me at all. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's possible. Well, Aaron Judge, how, well, over under 25 number of games Aaron Judge plays for the rest of the year. I'll take the over on that. Oh yeah, I'll take. The I'm over saying on from that. from what 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 makes what makes you what makes you think that? Nothing except for the fact that I would be shocked if he didn't play until September. I mean, is he really going to be out for what ten more weeks? I mean, if we're getting close to that, right? I mean, it's July in a week. I mean, how long was Chisholm out? I have no idea. Like a couple of months, but like, it, what is it? Is it the same thing? I don't know. If it it you. When you don't really open up the toe and, like, really figure out what's going on in there, isn't it kind of just, like, everyone's different? I mean, yeah, and it's definitely, a pain, it's definitely a, a pain tolerance thing. Yeah, because, I still mean... Having, if he's still having pain while walking, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Like, I think right there, that probably puts us at August, best case. That is a... That's a scary thought. Especially think, considering how things are going now. The thing that aggravates me the most with this is it's kind of an up and down organizational thing because you look at because if they're not talking about being truthful about um, the injuries, you look at like why Everson Pereira wasn't on the IL for nearly a month and he had a, a shoulder injury. Why didn't they put him? Why didn't they put him on the IL? Like what? I don't understand what the concern is. I don't know if if I mean I know that's not really related to Judge, but. It's a consistent thing throughout the organization where they're not being truthful, not even just to the fans, but to the media about uh, all the different injuries that these players are having. Yeah, it's it's really strange, John. And and even more, you know, to your point, why would the why would Somerset play shorthanded for almost a month instead of providing some kind of up? I mean, if it's an injury that requires an absence, that's more than a week or yeah. two weeks, why wouldn't there be a transaction so that the team's not playing with a, a dead roster spot, essentially? And the big yeah. league team has done that on numerous occasions as well. And it's something that I just truly do not understand. And it's gotten more than, than frustrating. It's gotten, gotten kind of aggravating because there's so many guys that deserve a promotion. I mean, even if it's just short term, just to kind of get a cup of coffee in double A. You know, it's I don't understand it. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a weird Yankee thing, the way they deal with injuries. We have been talking about it so much this year. And actually, when you think about it, it's insane how much we've spoken about it. 
Well, it's also it's, insane that we say the same thing every single time. It's remarkable how, how they give us something to talk about with the injuries every single week. There's just so many injuries, though. That's kind of a problem. If they handled them in yeah. any normal fashion, it would be a non-story. And I wish they would. I don't know if that conversation with Cressy ever happened this weekend. Because um, I know Hal, I think Hal was supposed to fly up to New York and talk to Eric Cressy or, or, or yeah. wherever that was supposed to be. I wonder what the result of was that of that conversation was because... I mean, you know that's never going to see the light of day, but no. I just wonder if there was any kind of internal ramifications of all of the injuries up and down throughout the system in the organization. Yeah, it's a strange organizational. Is it even a flaw? It's it's almost just like a character trait at this point. But anyway, we have character flaw. <laughs> yeah, we sure we have um, good news to talk about. The existence of one Carlos Rodon. Wait, he exists? John, can you confirm that Carlos Rodon exists? I saw him in spring training. Does that count? No. I guess that counts. <laughs> no, no, Doesn't no. Count? Because, no. No, because Billy Crystal is allowed to take at bats in spring training, so no. I didn't see him in spring training, though. So, um, exciting stuff. Carlos Rodon on track to pitch July 5th. Now, Toe, I need to give you your flowers. Because I went back and listened to the uh, over-under episode that we did on when players would return. And I said, Carlos Rodon, before or after June 15th. You said, definitely after. He's going to be back July 4th, that series against Baltimore. I remember that. Lo and behold, you nailed it. So good for you, Toe. That's right. Claps. Um, Another funny thing that I heard today was uh, on Boone's interview. Uh, so Carlos Rodon had like a pitch count of 50, essentially, for his most recent start or one of one of his two starts. And he finished with 48. And then he went to the bullpen and threw two pitches to get to 50. So I kind of I, I just liked that. That's a very dog move. But alas, it has to do with the preciseness of the way these rehabs are conducted, apparently. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen stuff like that before uh, down here in Tampa, whether at the complex league or. Or with the Tarpons. Yeah, John, to, to follow up on that, we're going to have to ask you about feet, if that's okay. Yeah, feet. Okay. So, Toe and I have been fascinated, and Matt, with uh, Carlos Rodon feet gate. And essentially, it was kind of a point where every week we got updates on how many feet Carlos Rodon had thrown from. So, I think one week it was like 60, and then there was a really specific number. Yeah, it went to 60, and then it went to 90, and I believe it went to 100, and it went to 120, but and then it went to 110. So, John, since you're around like this type of activity much more regularly than we are, can you give any insight to why, A, the precision, B, what makes them determine those specific numbers and kind of like how they increase the number of feet or maybe decrease it? So the only thing that I can say that as far as what I've seen in person is – just to kind of give you a visual, you know how they have like those soccer cones where you, you can kind of dribble in between soccer cones. Yeah. So they have the the cones. They're not really cones per se, but um, like orange discs that they put on the field itself. And then they'll have the pitcher kind of go back um, a measured distance. So let's say 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, et cetera. And then they just start throwing from there and then they see how the performance goes. And a lot of that is um, even just when a pitcher is warming up, 
in the outfield. Like you, anybody that goes to Yankee Stadium, like Robert, you were just there not too long ago. You'll see the pitcher start throwing, you know, short tosses, and then they extend further and further and further out to long tosses until they're thrown from almost center field. So that's that's the kind of a idea that you can kind of visualize with that, and a, a lot of that is just building up arm strength and all of the mechanics that involve the shoulder and the elbow and all that kind of thing, um, and just trying to get the the performance uh, kind of nailed down, I guess, in in a way. So how do they measure that though? Like, because I mean, I, I know what you're talking about and maybe it's just because I'm not familiar with what they use. But like when Boone says Rodon threw from 120 feet, how do we know that's actually exactly 120 feet? I can't say I've ever seen anybody measure it. I think they just know where 120 feet is from like the the warning track um, around the bullpen to like out to center field kind of thing. Like they know what the distance is from point A to point B, they'd stick a cone there and okay, you start throwing from here. Basically we're wondering if there's just a guy with a massive tape measure out there every time Rodon throws the ball. I haven't seen a guy because with a massive a funny tape visual. measure. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anyone with a tape measure. I think they just kind of know. It's like we're, chief tape measure. All right. Officer. All right. So all right. So John, I, I want to can you please ask this question one day? When are we going to see a rehabbing pitcher throw three hundred and fourteen feet during during his recovery? I'll see if I can get that accomplished for you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I have um, nothing to add to this conversation except <laughs> that I think that whether it's Robert or Toe, whomever, needs to go back and clip the segment where Robert says, Toe and I have this fascination with feet. And John goes, <laughs> yeah. very tentatively goes, okay, <laughs> just clip that. Just clip that and save it and post it everywhere. We do have a fascination with feet. It's true. Uh, but John, have you any further insight from Rodone's time on his rehab stint? Uh, I don't know. I honestly have not looked too much into them. I know he's quote unquote feeling good. His yeah. quotes are pretty encouraging. Um, but if there was anything else, I mean, just the the confidence that he's given with uh, the post game or post outing, I guess you can say, press conferences with the media. Um, and I've seen bits and pieces of uh, his outings. I haven't actually sat down and, and watched uh, the outings themselves. Uh, but the bits that I've seen, the command is there, uh, as you would hope it would be. Um, I guess he's not in pain or as much pain or, or whatever the situation is, but uh, I guess he's feeling good. Um, so he's supposed to throw Saturday, I understand. Um, Tampa and Hudson Valley are both home. So fingers crossed he comes to Tampa and I can get some content from that. But apparently when Stan rehabbed with Somerset one time, they were in Bowie. So the buzz is that he may go with them to to Bowie, um, the double A Orioles. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, your fingers crossed he comes down here to Tampa. It would make sense. I mean, you got the the rehab stuff here. You know, it's it's kind of their second home. So, you know. I'm just hoping he comes to Tampa. I want to say hi to him. Make sure he exists. Do you have any insight into how the organization is feeling about kind of where he's at? No, I don't. I haven't heard any buzz from um, anybody internally. I'm excited cool. to have him start pitching again. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think the 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 one guy the one guy that Brian Cashman actually added is is is, is coming back so we'll the one like, thing hey, that's that what made that's what brian one, cashman the did. one difference in the baseball team between last season and this season 
Yeah, exactly. It's finally going to play. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. I'm curious to see. They said when he comes back, it'll probably be around 70, 75 pitch count. I'm curious to see if they get him into like an every five day situation. Um, but I guess we can end the conversation with this. Do you think Carlos Rodon successfully makes it pitching on an every fifth day schedule for the rest of the season? I do. I do. Yeah, sure. I'll say yes. Also, <laughs> Matt's like, God, I don't even know at this point. Um, yeah, no, I'll say, uh, I'll say yes. I, I, I watched like little clips of him throwing and I just thought he looked smooth. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he wasn't overthrowing seemingly. Um, He's also he's a big guy, which I never have quite realized. I feel like you actually realize how massive the big leaguers are when they go play in the minors. You're know, like, oh, these guys are just a different species altogether. So I'm excited to see him pitch. I think I'll be there next Wednesday, which will be fun, as long as these forest fires pipe down, which are apparently supposed to ravage New York City again starting tomorrow. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but any final thoughts on... Carlos Rodon, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Boone, Aaron Judge, anything, uh, anything. I'm so curious. When is, so when, when is the next feet conversation we're having? I don't know. I can't, I, can't, on, I, can't, I guess, right? It can't come soon enough. John, what were you curious about? I'm curious if they just, um, if they sit Judge until he's 100% better, or if he does any kind of a rehab somewhere, or if he, like, he ha- he comes down to Tampa because I've seen him in his in his Beamer before, so um, it's possible he comes down here. Matt, did you just accidentally raise your hand on the Skype? Yes. <laughs> you know you can talk whenever whenever you feel obligated, right? Yes, I'm aware. To be clear to all the listeners, I don't raise my hand every time I want to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> that would I would buy it though if you did if that was something you did. I mean, we could that that's a way that we could organize the pod. Are we would saying, avoid are you talking the over each other. Is disorganized. Uh, I'm saying that this podcast is very interesting, and I always <laughs> listen to it, and it's very well organized. <laughs> this is organized as an injury situation. Yeah. Okay, that's a good go. segue, John, because we're gonna get into ups and downs. I guess we'll start with your ups and downs, John. Because it has to do with injury situation, organizational stuff. Yeah, so my my up is Somerset pitching. Um, just overall, they've been pretty much lights out. Like, there's the starters are there. You got Clayton Beater, who's been um, invited to the All-Star Futures game. Um, he's been pretty lights out. Even a, a reliever, like, I can't even think of his name now. I'm having a brain fart. There's a reliever that has a, a zero ERA. That I have to I have to look him up real quick. So uh, one of you guys can keep going while I look him up. Yeah, my thing with the Yankees pitching prospects, especially someone like Clayton Beater, is like they're just going to get traded at the deadline for someone. That's always how I view those types of arms, especially now with the Yankees. Like Will Warren is another one. Um, Yo, Andres Gomez, just like these double A arms that are upside enough to make a deal at the deadline, which the Yankees are, if they, they won't have any chance this year, going to have to do. Danny Watson is the guy I'm thinking of. He, um, you guys should look up his numbers. He's, um, I don't want to say elite kind of territory, but he's definitely something that we need to follow a little bit closer. Is he a type of guy you think can get accelerated through the system as a late inning guy? I'd like to think so because that's where he's pitching right now. Um, so I put out a tweet on the 23rd 
between April 30th and the 23rd, he gave up zero runs and 21 and a third uh, relief innings. He last had a charge run on April 30th. Um, and in the month of June, one, two, three, four, five, and six appearances, 6.2 innings, he allowed three hits. I guess he gave up a, uh, uh, he hit a batter and he walked two guys. And that's it. So um, he's a side armor guy. He has a really, really fun slider that kind of, it's kind of like a whip. It moves one way and it moves another way. Just the, the pitchers that the organization has in the higher levels is is a lot of fun. And to kind of get off of what Somerset has, they, who they may be getting soon, I would imagine, is Juan Carella. Uh, Tyrone Yuli threw really well in Hudson Valley. So um, pitching is um, kind of an asset that we have in the, uh, the upper levels, I would say. Upper yeah. kind of middle levels. Go ahead, Matt. I'm glad you mentioned Clayton Beater, Brophy, because he's had a great season. And does anyone remember who was traded for Clayton Beater? I know, I know. Uh, was it Gallo? Yeah. It yeah. was Joseph Gallo. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think that's going to end up being a pretty deal. Because uh, Beater is, from everything I know about minor leaguers, which is very little, Beater is good, apparently. So but my again, question would my not question shock is, me if you traded. So the Yankees gave up Ezekiel Duran for Gallo. Would you rather have Ezekiel Duran right now or Clayton Beater? That's a hilarious question. Oof. I mean, Duran is a borderline all-star this year. Yeah. Duran is arguably better than any infielder on the Yankees. I couldn't believe what I couldn't. I can't. What is he? Isn't he like batting 300? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that. he's like a very, very more than serviceable major leaguer at this Whoa. point. He's a 144 WRC plus. Yeah, bro. What do, you, <laughs> I, what, what do you think Texas is so good? Like they have Corey Seager being Corey Seager, and they also have Ezekiel Duran just like being, I don't know, Alfonso he's, Soriano. He's rocking a nice expected 400 slugging, batting expected average on slugging balls in, in the, in the Expected slugging in the 89th percentile. All right. We're, we're going to ignore my Alfonso Soriano drop there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear it, to be honest. All right, John. You're down of the week. So my down of the week is, and this actually may get a twist because uh, my down of the week was Yankees not promoting prospects like other organizations, but I've been informed that uh, Christopher Familia and Augustine Ramirez are getting promoted from Tampa to Hudson Valley. So that raises the question, are there other moves for outfield and catcher in the organization like Austin Wells, um, maybe like an Everson Pereira, uh, maybe like Spencer Jones? Not Jason Dominguez. He hasn't been performing in summers, and I think he's going to stay there. So what is the, like, if they were to promote Austin Wells, what is the corresponding move there? I don't know, because then you're going to have Wells, bro. Because you, you can't roster three. Catchers. Exactly. You're going to have Wells, bro, and, and Rortvet in the same team, and no one's going to ever play. So I would, I don't know, because uh, unless you're going to, like, get rid of Peggy or Trevino, which, which would, I think, blindside a lot of people. But then at the same time, if you promote someone to double A, right now they have Wells and Siegler at double A. Can Ben Warfare play third base? <laughs> yeah, Probably. they just need people that can hit hit the baseball. The Yankees were dead, I think, dead last in WRC Plus in the month of June. 30th, yeah, dead last. Which is uh, impressive. So if, if there are going to be any guys getting called up, I just hope that they can take a bat and hit. And I'll say this about the Yankees not calling up prospects. I'll, I'll push back slightly. I think you need to have good prospects to call up. 
The Yankees don't have good prospects. And the one prospect that they had, Volpe, they started him on the roster at the beginning of the season. He's been dreadful. And then they have Peraza, who was up earlier this year, but has been injured lately and is probably going to come back up at some point. But outside of that, they don't really have anyone that is like blaring sirens at you that they need to be called up. Florio. I think, Look at Florio's numbers. Yeah, I mean, Florio's numbers are, are ridiculous, and I would I haven't watched any of Florio's at-bats this year, but we, we at least have enough evidence, or not even enough. We have a good amount of evidence that he just might be a quad A hitter. Um, he needs to be given a runway. I think him getting a chance is probably a good idea because he is a good defensive center fielder. Um, but it's a little crowded now with, yeah, I mean, Bader's out there every day, and then you have McKinney, Bowers, um, and then you have, like, Stan playing some outfield, and then I, you can put IKF in center. But I would like to see Floreal play. I mean, that's that's the one, but people aren't really, like, clamoring for Floreal. Like, he's he's been around a long yeah. time now. There would be so more yeah, of a clamoring think- for Floreal if McKinney and, to a lesser extent, Bowers weren't doing what they're doing. Yeah. So I just think, you know, you just you just need better prospects to call up like there's and And, i think they and i think they did a good job with the volpe situation i think they you know everyone wanted volpe to be there to start the season and it just hasn't gone well and if volpe was playing well it'd be like oh the yankees did such a great job calling up their young guys and giving them the chance immediately but he's done poorly so we've kind of like almost forgotten that they did that to some degree i think a lot of what scranton has is a lot of quad a guys like if you look at some of the guys that they've signed off-season, like Wilmer Defoe, uh, Michael Hermosillo, mm-hmm. do we really visualize them having a chance to play in the Bronx? I mean, with all the injuries that they've had, um, and even with Volpe having uh, some trouble and and JD having the, the offensive trouble, you would think maybe you can put in uh, Wilmer Defoe because he's had some experience in the majors, but I don't really visualize him being in the Bronx. Yeah, I mean, those are all just like, I feel like emergency big time injury guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just, I would like to see Florio called up. It's just hard for me to, I just don't think there's like many great prospects. And at, right now, to me, it's like Volpe needs to play better. And then eventually Peraza is going to be up here and he needs to do well. Those are the two guys. I mean, it's really just all on Volpe and Peraza. Um, all right. I'll go with my ups and downs. They're pretty basic and pretty. Pretty quick for the most part. We've touched on a lot of it. So my up is Chris Kirshner. Because I I really liked that he was very skeptical about the Boone Donaldson riffraff. And was open to just being like, he just tweeted, I do not believe for a second that this is what the meeting about. When Boone told everyone the meeting was about like personal stories and like, you know, just chatting. So I liked that he is the most prominent Yankees beat reporter right now writing for the athletic for. So for him to say that to me is makes me feel good that Brendan Cuddy would like a word (laughs) that sure. And Cuddy that he's able to actually speak his mind there. I liked that. Can I push Uh, back on you slightly, please? So Chris Kirshner, I don't think that he wrote the headline himself, but he certainly enjoyed the engagement he got from it of Nestor Cortez saying that, Anthony Volpe needs to produce, otherwise the one-of-one card that he pulled will be worth nothing. I read that article today, too. I didn't see that. It was a bunch of nothing. Yeah, I don't know. People getting overreacting. No, it was a headline. You just have to close your eyes and, like, envision the situation where Nestor's like, he's got to produce and, like, something like that. Of course, everyone took it out of context. You put that in quotes, and it sounds like Nestor's being like, he's got to produce, dude. Yeah, it's Twitter. 
Yeah, so that's just Twitter being crazy. Uh, my down is my lucky Yankee games this year. Uh, the Yankee games this weekend, outside of the ones that I went to, were a loads of fun. I went to Thursday. They lost 10-2 to the Seattle Mariners. And I went Friday, and they lost 4-2 in extra innings to the Rangers. All season long, I have been to crap Yankee games. And I've been to like 10 at this point already, and I'm not having a good time. So that's my down. I need that to change, and I'm hoping a change changes with next Wednesday and Rodon on the mound. So that's my rant. All right, Matt. Time for your up and down of the week. Well, first of all, I wish Les were here because one thing that I think is hilarious about Les is that he has this like weird, irrational dislike for Chris Kirshner. So I would have loved for him to be oh, yeah, a part of does. that discussion that we just had. We've got some weird he's like, dislikes <laughs> on this podcast. So He's always like, I miss Lindsay Adler. And that other guy they have now is no good every yeah. time, time well we all miss Lindsay. <laughs> cracks me fair. up so yes we do we do she's um, more fisher but yeah yeah fisher fisher is also the mvp for sure but anyways so yeah my my up is kind of dumb and we've sort of talked about it um all throughout this pod and every other pod we've had this year but the yankees are like having a good season <laughs> in spite of all of our complaints in spite of all of my complaints they have a, a winning record and they'd probably be winning any other division except for maybe the analyst so that's just to say things have gone really badly and yet somehow the yankees are just allergic to being like truly bad and that was the case even during the last you know rebuilding period in 2013 to 15 when they never dropped under 500 they never had a bad season they still have not had a losing season in my life so the Yankees, you know, getting things done even when things are pretty bad. Now, I'll proceed to bitch and moan as much as I want, but I think it's just important to put that out there. But my more specific ups, ups, plural of the week, are teenagers, two teenagers by the names of Roderick Arias and Kaner Delgado, who both homered today in the Florida Complex League off of Alec Manoa, which leads me directly into my down of the week. And this is one that I'm going to relish. I'm going to have fun with this one. My down of the week is all-time asshole Alec Manoa giving up 10 runs and, uh, sorry, 10 hits and 11 runs in two and two-thirds innings for the Florida Complex League Blue Jays. That's right, not the Toronto Blue Jays, not even the Dunedin Blue Jays, <laughs> but the Florida Complex League Blue Jays. Are we approaching amazing like karma, amazing schadenfreude all the way around <laughs> a guy that I have hated from the moment he came up in this league and now he's struggling in rookie ball. Amazing. Are we, are we approaching like docu like documentary levels of like WTF with Alec Manoa? Like, are we approaching like, let we need an hour long documentary to actually interview people and be like, what happened to this yeah, guy? I wouldn't say we're approaching that, but it, there's definitely going to be a secret base rewinder in about four years about him. Yeah, there, I mean, there has to be something going on here, right? Got to be something going on. I don't know yeah, if that, he was down there just testing out some crap. I wish what I could have gone to that game. I wish I would have known that he was going to pitch because I would have been at that game. I would have loved to seen what the hell is going on because, I mean, Kainer Delgado is is a, a polished hitter. I don't know if I'd say the same with, with Roderick Arias, but Kainer Delgado is a polished hitter, a hitter and, and he could take advantage of some pitches. So he must have been throwing meatballs. Like it placement, I don't know if it was like control or what his deal is. Well, like you said, maybe he's trying some stuff out, but 
probably probably it's, hot probably really hot it's uh supposed to be 96 Florida. tomorrow here yeah you know oh. he's from canada playing in canada used to playing you know in a dome most of the time we also know a lot of his struggles might have been tied to the pitch clock and just like general fatigue there's so. no pitch clock in complex yeah league. no i know but going to pitch in 90 degree weather if that's where he was in fact pitching probably not the best for him and on the field, why am I, I making? I don't know why I'm making. Well, no, I like I'll that. I'll kind of back you up on that because on the field I brought a, a um, an infrared thermometer with me to a, a game once and I got 130 degrees off the field. So it's <laughs> that yeah. is so crazy. Plus the humidity that we have down here. So yeah, it's. I mean, I'll give him that, but he's from Miami, isn't he? Like yeah, he's from he's a Florida guy. So you can't blame the heat because he should be used to that. Even if he does pitch for Toronto. Um, Matt, to quickly go back to your, the Yankees have kind of been good this year, despite the sky falling. I got into like a quick Twitter back and forth today. uh, And someone had the gall to say that the Yankees have been a bigger disappointment this season than the Mets. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, that's, that's nonsense. Even Mets fans didn't move with boo tonight. I think is what I saw or last night or something like that. Right. Well, well I watched the I watched the Mets game last night just to see how bad it really was. Oh yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Mets fans are just they're more sad than angry when things aren't going well. Yes. Yankees fans get angry, Mets fans just get sad <laughs> and start like worrying about everything. All right, Tao. We've gone to you and your up and down of the week. My up of the week is immaculate grid. How fun is that game? It's really fun. fun. It's very challenging, though. It takes up a lot of my time sometimes. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I don't get out of bed until I finish it in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I, I'd be late to work every day. <laughs> I will say though, um, I think this is Friday's immaculate grid. You could have replaced the Tampa Bay Rays logo with the New York Yankees logo, and still have the same immaculate grid, with a middle row of John Flaherty, Tino Martinez. And Wade Bucks. Wow. All played for both the Yankees and the Rays. But yeah, I mean, I was super into Wordle when it first came out, and I was like, I'm never gonna not play this game. Oh, and I, I feel that way now with Immaculate Grid. And I don't play Wordle anymore, haven't in a very long time. And I now feel that way with Immaculate Grid, but I'm curious to see the longevity of this this game. Well, what you can't make it too hard, but you can't make it too easy either. Some That's of it's thing. hard, man. Like t- today's was Hard. I would. Say, I struggled I would t- with Guardians Mariners. T- I'll say that much. Guardians Mariners. Oh, and when I was that the middle. Bro? Was that the middle square? Because yeah, the middle square is the one the I struggled square. with. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, that was the first one I got. <laughs> shows how much. Just like so much like how, like just. Would you just use? shows how all over the place like this you game used can Encarnacion. be. Yeah. Oh, Encarnacion. That's such a when good Encarnacion. one. Damn, yeah. Yeah, oh, that is a good I one. thought it was funny that I thought it was funny that Carlos Santana was the most used player for two squares today. I had him for the um, I had him for the Royals Guardians square. I also find it funny how a lot of the most used squares are simply just like current members of the team, like rando current members of the teams. Like because people James just Paxton think about today? who's playing on the team yeah. now. Yeah, like, James, James Paxton, Paxton was today between the Mariners and the Red Sox was funny, as was Yavaldi yeah. between uh, Texas and Boston. However, um, Matt, I think you'll enjoy this. My uh, Red Sox Royals intersection was none other than Franchi Cordero. <laughs> that's a that's a really good one. I forgot that Franchi Cordero played for the Royals. To be honest with you, 
My Texas I had Boston Corey, I had was, Corey uh, Kluber. Yeah. Corey Kluber, Kluber was my Texas Guardians. He was my Texas Guardians. My Texas Boston was Mitch Moreland. <laughs> nice. That's a great one. My, my Texas Guardians was Juan Gonzalez. That's crazy. You're insane. Going, we're, like, I go, I go, I can, I can go like straight from like the early 90s before I was born to around like 2006 and then to like last year. It sounds like you basically just like think back to your MVP baseball 2004 days and just tap in, tap into whatever memories you have from playing that game. Yeah. Anyway, you down. Good, good, good times. Also, like there have been so many players who are just been who have just been former Yankees at one point or another. That's like whatever. Also, Edwin Jackson, Guillermo Mota. (laughs) (laughs) Just ripping off names over here. This is crazy. Remembering some guys. We're remembering some guys. Exactly. So my down of the week is following these games on Twitter for the last week. Because um, I was so pissed off uh, with the team last week that I actually went to Seattle just so I could guarantee that I wouldn't be in the same city as the Yankees. Um, but following that game, because uh, I, 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 I didn't have access to like any TV or radio or anything, just following that game and getting the notification. So I got the notification that we went up 3 nothing, and I got the notification that we went down 3-1 in like the first or second inning. And then the next time I checked my phone, which was only about two hours later, the game was over with the score still 3-1. I did not even have to open Twitter to realize that it was like the most boring game of all time. Fast forward to Saturday, same situation. I'm not really available to even be on my phone. See McKinney hits a home run. We're good. Next thing I know, it's over. 1-0. Not a lot of time had passed. It was boring. Like You don't need to follow these games anywhere to just get the sense of how boring it is. And you were at the game calls, and I knew it was boring. I didn't even have to ask you how bad it was. No, yeah, but I will say you were, you know, you were the first one to always talk about how ho-hum everything is with this team, even when they're winning. I mean, their recipe, as we have learned, even when the things are going well, it's hit a couple homers and bullpen and win games that are low-scoring and close. And, you know, it's not flashy. It's not, they're not like this super entertaining team. They're a bunch of old guys with injury problems. Um, yeah. Well, also this week, the defensive and base running lapsive is also returned, which is just like, what the hell, man? Yeah. We didn't like, talk about the Glaber stuff. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about well, the that. Well, there was also Glaber the Donaldson stuff. error, the, Herm- the Herman stuff. Well, Thursday in general was just like a shit show I, of a shit show. I want to wait until we can finally be like, I'm, I'm really holding off on like the getting mad at Boone stuff, but like the past week. The Yankees are lucky they they won those series because they play like a team that does not know how to like fundamentally play baseball sometimes. It's unacceptable. It's, That's what we've been tweeting. It's unacceptable because it is. Yeah, and it's 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 insane. I mean, we went to a game toe where they had two two pitcher defense plays where the pitcher just I think Cordero and Nick Ramirez both dropped yeah. balls trying to cover first. It's just little stuff like that and the base running issues and the defensive woes. It's like this team's not doesn't feel buttoned up all the time. And I don't know, for some reason, a lot of that comes down to the manager and just coaching in general. Yeah, well, there's, so. well, the thing is that it happens multiple times every year. Like there will be at least two two week stretches where it's just like it's like it's watching my freaking high school JV team out there. Yeah, I was going to say the Tarpons play better than what I've seen uh, to some extent. But to end on a happier note. 
What, the Oakland Coliseum has a major league crowd tonight? Yes. One. Two, <laughs> Yankees have a really easy schedule coming up. So if there were ever a time to rip off, you know, take two out of three well, here and there, and maybe sneak a sweep in, remember, now is the time. Remember at the beginning of May, what was about to happen? Oakland was about to come to town. Yeah. What we say? Beat you gotta them. get right. No, 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 not not only you gotta get right. Sweep. You them. need to sweep them, and they did. We're, we're we're right back where we were at the beginning of the May. You need to sweep the Oakland A's. It's like, hard to do. It, I will say it's hard to do in Oakland. It, it doesn't matter. There are minor league going on there. Like, but you yeah, know, I agree. You gotta sweep the A's if you you know that'll really get things going because then you're looking at five wins in a row and you're you know you're kind of amped up. Um, okay. Any any final thoughts? Are we optimistic about the Yankees going into this next month with an easy schedule? Do we think they're actually going to come out on the other side and we're going to like be okay where with everything is at? Define okay. I don't know. Like I don't A think the wheels. I don't the think the wheels are going to fall off. Like, but I also don't think it's going to be like win thirteen in a row anytime soon either. I think okay would be over 500 for the whatever the stretch is. I'm going to need like five games over 500. Something yeah. better than I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking around that, yeah. Yeah. Or like any, anywhere from like six to ten games over. Because at, at, if you just flatline now, it's, it's probably not going to go very well for you. But I'm, I'm curious to see how Rizzo, Stanton, DJ... These guys need to step up and judge judge's absence. Uh, and I'm excited to see them at least try to do that. DJ had a big hit on Sunday. Stanton had a big hit on Sunday. So we'll see what happens. They have not done anything tonight so far. Uh, the one thing that I am watching. a little bit concerned about is the travel schedule that's coming up. Like there's the Oakland St. Louis trip now back home, all-star break immediately a fly to Denver and Orange County, California back home. And then the Baltimore. So, I mean, and the Yankees were just in, weren't the Yankees just on the West Coast? So, yeah, they were in LA at the beginning yeah. of June. So, yeah, I mean, just weird scheduling, a lot of cross country flights. I have, speaking from experience, doing that a lot in a short amount of time is not fun. They'll figure it out. They have to. They don't have a choice, apparently. Um, well, neither did I. <laughs> For myself, Cameron Toe, Matt Gerald, John Brophy, you can give us a follow on Twitter at Pinstripe Purse. The handle is NYY Takes. You can follow Toe at underscore Cito, Matt at MCGerald14, and John at JBrophyBaseball. Um, please like the podcast, leave a five star review. Uh, as Toe likes to say, downloading the podcast is always, you know, Set up auto downloads. Help, that's the way. That's the way to do it these days in the podcast world. Um, Les, if you're uh, listening, we wish you the very best of luck in your battle with uh, allergies. And without Don't go outside, come talk without, about feet with us. Without without further ado, go Yanks. <laughs>